0: Welcome to the show, you are now part of Reveal, the revenue intelligence podcast powered by Gong. We're your hosts, Devin Reed.
1: And I'm Sheena Badani. Revenue intelligence is a new way of operating based on customer reality instead of opinions. It's an unfiltered view of your customer reality. In other words, making data-driven decisions based on facts instead of opinions or guesswork.
0: And it's made up of three success pillars, people success, deal success, and strategy success. You know, the things all revenue teams need and care about. Every week, we interview senior revenue professionals and they share their stories and insights on how they leverage revenue intelligence to drive Success and win their market.
1: You'll hear how modern go to market teams win as a team, close revenue with critical deal insight, and execute their strategic initiatives, plus all the challenges that come along with it.
0: Sheena, you came from MongoDB before you joined Gong, right?
1: Correct. Yeah. There was another company in between, a small um, industrial analytics company.
0: Forgive me for missing them.
1: You're, you should have my LinkedIn resume like down and memorized, Evan. I like, get
0: the real thing. I can hang out <laughs> with you. I don't got to look at the profile. But no, I, I was saying that is because, well, so same question, but I was like, what, why, why gong? Like, why did you come from MongoDB, which is very successful? I don't know where they were when you were there. Obviously, you were very impactful, but I don't know, you know, what stage they were. You had this other pit stop, it sounds like. What, pulled you to you know, join Gong, right? We were like 100-ish employees. Like, we were not very well-known in those days.
1: Actually, I would say that was probably a common thread between MongoDB and now Gong was this concept of really focusing on the customer. And and at Gong, I remember like doing my research and we had these operating principles on the website even at that time. And one of them was create raving fans. And it was like the first one up there. And you could just... Feel that pulsing through the entire company. It wasn't just like something that was on the website. It was like walking into the doors of the company and like every single person that I talked about, like the customer experience was woven through that. And the few people at that time who were customers that I was able to even talk about were like, this is like the best thing that I've ever had. And that was what, you know, sold me. I think that's like actually an extremely critical thing for anybody who's looking for a job is like, make sure there are raving fans of this product. That's what's going to define the company. And- it was similar to like what I had experienced at MongoDB, which was from a different lens for in the developer space where the developers were raving fans of MongoDB and they created this community themselves and this movement around around MongoDB at that time. So I think like that's kind of what I was looking for, really.
0: I mean, worded worded beautifully, if I may say so myself. But the reason I asked was because when we were talking to our guest today, Yamini, CEO of HubSpot, that's what she said drew her to HubSpot was that customer centricity. Now, customer centricity, ding, 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 kind of sounds like a little bit of, uh, you know, kind of the the tech jargon, right, sometimes. But when you talk to some of the leaders or when we get to you know, listen to them on the show, you can tell the ones who truly live it. Their eyes light up, their body posture kind of changes, right? They get really excited. And you could tell that Yamini wanted to create raving fans. It might not be on their wall at HubSpot, but... The concept that we talk about today of building a flywheel is centered around the customer or creating raving fans.
1: And I think like the most unique thing about our conversation was like she, again, she's CEO now, she was chief customer officer. And so like that's the lens that she brings to her work day in and day out, whether she's like talking to investors or customers or her own employees and that focus on the customer and like that whole the flywheel, of course. It has to be living and breathing through the whole company. It's not a sales thing. It's not a marketing thing. It's an everyone is in it together thing.
0: It's an everyone thing. An everyone thing. All right, let's go hang out with Yamini. Yamini, welcome to Reveal. It's been a long time coming and we are very excited to have you.
2: Thank you so much, Devin and Sheena for having me. I've been excited for this day.
0: Pleasure. So Sheena and I are marketers, but sometimes we put our sales hats on and we do some prospecting, a little outbound, a little nurture, and make sure some great folks get on the show. And you are someone we talked to in July And in July, you were the chief customer officer for HubSpot. And now you are the chief executive officer at HubSpot. So congratulations. Surely you did something right in the last few
2: months. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so, Devin. But thank you so much for your wishes. And yes, things have changed since July.
0: So I'm curious with that shift, how are you thinking about the business differently in your new role? Or maybe in other ways, kind of what's been the biggest change from, you know, CCO to CEO?
2: I will say that I joined uh, HubSpot as the chief customer officer, and my singular focus was to deliver delightful customer experiences. HubSpot always focuses on the customer. In fact, we have a North Star mantra inside HubSpot, which we call S-F-T-C, solve for the customer. And that is one of the reasons why I was like really excited about joining HubSpot as a chief customer officer. And part of my prior role was to bring together marketing, sales, customer success, operations so that we can deliver delightful experiences. Now, I think in terms of the shift to a CEO, it's still about delivering great customer experiences. But the way I think about it is two things how we build products and how we sell products, because both of these actually deliver great customer experiences. And so the shift has really been about making sure that I am looking at how we build and how we sell products, making sure that we have deeper insights about our customers that drive both parts of the customer experience and making sure that we are, as an organization, connecting the dots across both of these.
0: Totally makes sense. And I think a perfect segue into our topic for today. So when we hung out first, you know, we always like to ask, you know, what are you passionate about? What do you want to talk about? What is that thing that you can provide value to your peers? And uh, without hesitation, you said creating a flywheel. So just to get us even started and kind of set the table, can you describe or define for us exactly what a flywheel is?
2: First, imagine this physical thing, a flywheel, right? A giant flywheel that, you know, when you put the right kind of force into the flywheel, it starts spinning and it starts spinning and goodness happens. That's the picture of what you should be thinking about as a flywheel. So why does this matter for a go-to-market organization in, you know, the worlds that we operate in? In order to explain the concept of the flywheel, Devin, I got to give you an a view that is different from the flywheel concept. The one that's different from the flywheel concept is funnel view. Not tunnel view, but funnel view. The funnel view starts with marketing doing its magic to drive leads at the top of the funnel. And then your sales organization taking that pipeline, making calls inbound, outbound, all of those activities that drive to winning a customer. And no pun intended, when the customer is won, there's a gong, and you hit a gong, (laughs) and that's what happens, and that's funnel view. There's nothing wrong with that. But the big thing is that your customer is kind of hanging out at the bottom after the gong is like hit, and there's a celebration of the customer, but that's the most important part of the journey is after you've won the customer. What do you do with the customer? That's the most important view. And so a few years ago, we said this funnel view that we take is all wrong. And the much better view that you can take is the flywheel view. The flywheel view starts with putting the customer at the center and then organizing all of the activities that you do to attract your customers, engage your customers and delight your customers so that the customers themselves become promoters of your company, your organization based on the customer experience. So I can go on and on about this, but the biggest change is really thinking about the flywheel view instead of the funnel view.
1: Why should a business be like thinking about shifting from a more traditional funnel view to a flywheel? Like what's in it for them?
2: What's in it for them is that You want sustainable ways to drive growth and revenue. That's what every organization, every sales organization, every go-to-market organization, every marketing organization cares about one thing, which is driving sustainable growth with a great customer experience. And the reason is that when you put the customer at the center and when you start aligning marketing, sales, customer success, operations around the customer... A few things happen. First of all, your customers, after they sign up, if you continue to delight them, they become promoters. And when you have promoters, they advocate for you. They spread word of mouth. Therefore, you get more customers, more of them engage with you and become delighted. And so that is the start of a flywheel that begins to spin. And why is that important? Because as customers are delighted and become your advocates, you get more customers. And those customers become more advocates, right? So that's the effect of creating a flywheel. And therefore it's important. I think the second part of it is that it takes each of your siloed or typically siloed go-to-market functions and aligns them around the most important asset, which is your customer base. And let me explain this. If you go to a marketing agency and you say, what's your aspiration? They'll say something about pipeline or leads. If you go to a sales organization and say, what's your aspiration? It'll be something about winning a quota or hitting a target. And you go to a customer success organization and you say, what do you focus on? It'll be something about CSAT. Now, none of them will say customer and that is a problem. That's a problem in most go to market organizations. And what you want With the flywheel, by putting the customer at the center is for your marketing, sales, customer success, and operations team to always be thinking about the customer and have an aspirational goal of delighting that customer. And that in and of itself creates the flywheel because if every team is aligned and every every team is focused on the customer, then you are going to be delighting those customers and those delighted customers drive your flywheel
1: in reality, it's really like the whole company has to be on board. Everyone, even on the product and R&D and operations side, has to be in on this flywheel
2: concept. 100%. You are hitting it exactly right. And I think delightful customer experience is not a one-time initiative. It's not a one-function initiative. It's a company priority. And it needs to be treated as a company priority. And one of the things that we have found works is our product organization carries NPS as the goal. That has changed the dynamic pretty significantly. So exactly to your point. I mean, if you think about the entire company caring about customers and customer experience, and you have the product organization, and if they are motivated by driving NPS, then you have just magical things happen. And a couple of the things that happen at HubSpot is We actually start every month with a customer-first meeting. This typically happens in week one of the month. We bring together our a panel of customers, and it could be across the business, international, different combinations, but we hear from them directly on one or two topics. We learn directly from them. And then we have a good two-hour discussion with the top leaders across the business, product, engineering. UX, marketing, sales, you name it, across the functions about what we can do to improve the customer experience. So it's not one function's job to go and ask another team to care about the customer. It's the company's priority, and every team cares about it.
0: Yamini, yeah, mean, I want to go back a little bit because uh, something I'm always interested in is like what happened to change someone's perspective. And so you had mentioned, hey, we're looking at this funnel view and we realized like something was wrong, something was broken and right. And then that kind of introduced the flywheel. What was either that for you, maybe personally in your career or at HubSpot where you looked at something or like, this isn't quite right.
2: I think it happened at HubSpot. Uh, HubSpot has been talking about this for a lot longer, but I came to this realization in my career, you know, probably around the same time as well. I think the biggest shift that has happened is that, Customer retention is even more important than customer acquisition. really comes down to that. And when you take the funnel view, you take the last decade of how we have run go-to-market functions, it's always about winning the customer. But then SaaS and having, you know, a subscription-based economy has really changed it. It's not about that first contract and the first win. It is about making sure that you retain the customer, you continue to deliver value to the customer, and they vote by staying longer with you and doing more business with you. And so that has been the fundamental shift. And if you think about that concept, Devin, and you say, well, we've celebrated the customer win, what happens next? well then you realize that you need a fundamental shift it cannot just be that celebratory gong that happens but it really has to go from there to putting a whole framework in place where customers are front and center of everything that you do in, a, in the business so i've believed in this for a, a lot you know a long time and hubspot you know talked about this in uh, 2018 i think and when i started talking to brian halligan In 2019, I was like, this is it. This is exactly what I've been thinking about. And you are already driving this as a key part of the strategy. You're trying to do this for your customers. And more importantly, you're trying to do this within the organization. So it resonated very deeply with me.
0: For folks listening, they might be, you know, brand new to this idea and thinking, wow, this is really interesting. Or, you know, like you said, you know, kind of, kind of feeling this way, but like didn't really know maybe that flywheel existed or kind of how to put it into play. What are some things they can do? You know, immediately to start to move in this direction and start to get, you know, those, those uh, leaders from different departments together and kind of align them on this vision and make it an action plan.
2: I, I love this question. And in fact, I think there is an art to it and there is a science to it. So I'll break it down. The art piece of how you drive the flywheel and customer centricity is to build it into the culture, build it into the cadence in which your company operates. And I gave you a couple of examples for us starting with a North Star of solving for the customer. SFTC is in day one when you come into the company, day 365 and continues forever, right? So it is built into what we stand for as a company, and then it manifests itself in the customer first meeting and the importance that we give to customers' voice within the organization. That's really the cultural part of it and art. There's a science part of it and the science part of it is a few simple things that you've got to, you know, prioritize and be able to do. The first one is just creating a decision making group that cares about the end to end customer experience. A lot of companies that end up growing, you grow up in silos and you continue to add people within silos and you don't really think customer facing in. You start thinking about your function and what your functional goals are. So the first step is create you know, a decision-making group. In our case, we brought together marketing, sales, customer experience, and revenue operations under one team, called it the flywheel team, no surprise. But you don't need to make organizational changes to be able to drive that. You can actually create a group that makes decisions. The second part of it is actually creating a clear winning aspiration. What I mean by that is the goal should be around the customer, not your functional priority. In our case, it's simple. The winning aspirational goal is to create a delightful experience for a customer. That's the same for a marketing organization, the sales organization, customer success, support, you name it, it's the same thing. And so that's the second step. What does winning for your customer actually look like? And then the third and the fourth piece, we could probably have an entire conversation about these two, Devin. But the third piece is your systems need to be aligned because in order for you to delight your customers, you need information about your customers, where they are in their journey, not the journey that you are with your customer, but the journey that your customer is with you. And finally, you have to have incentives that are aligned across all of these. And so four fairly straightforward steps uh, that are part of the science of delivering customer experience that's delightful and a flywheel that is aligned.
0: Did you know it can cost five times more to acquire a new customer than retain an existing customer? And if you increase overall customer retention by just 5%, your profits increase anywhere from 25 to 95%. These stats come from the Harvard Business School. And yet most organizations focus on acquisition more than retention. The success rate of selling to a customer you already have is 60 to 70%, while the success rate of selling to a new customer is five to 20. Now let's go deeper on the science side of things with Yamini, starting with some of the key metrics she looks at to know whether the flywheel is working or not.
2: You have to design a set of metrics and KPIs that are around the customer. And a lot of times, you know, your metrics are typically around what's your revenue, what's your ARR, if you're a subscription business, those are all fine. But you still need to ask questions from the customer's perspective. How many customers do you have now? How many customers have you grown over this period? That actually says that, you know, are you kind of continuing to retain and grow your customer base? Are your customers getting value? Another way to say it, are customers churning out of your company, right? If your customers get value, then they stay with you. Are they continuing to grow with you, which is a type of revenue retention metric. A lot of companies will use net revenue retention or gross revenue retention. But the primary metric there is to say, your customers staying? Are they buying and continuing to grow with you? To me, those are the highest ones, as well as the NPS metric, which I mentioned before, which is the net promoter score that your customers give. If you start with those primary metrics, are your customers staying? Are their customers growing? And what is their net promoter score? And then measure the growth of the organization that you're driving. That's great. That's the place to start with. They are all customer-oriented metrics rather than functionally oriented metrics. And that would be the place for you to think about and start.
0: I love the point that you made, which is like uh, hitting the gong or closing that deal is, is just the beginning, right? And that's where, you know, things really get interesting where you really need to delight the customers. I I thought it was really interesting that you said, Hey, our product team is now looking at MPS." I'm curious if on the sales side, if that's changed in terms of some of the KP, you know, i call KPIs for them because, you know, it's, it's, bit of a stereotype, you know, salespeople are like coin operated or like you know, they only care about the clothes. But if you zoom out, it's because most incentive plans are to go for the close, right? Go for that acquisition, get that new customer. So I'm curious if there has been either a change in focus there for you all or maybe just an added still go for new business and also this other uh, maybe new metric.
2: One of the key things that you're hitting, Devin, is incentives shape behavior. And we forget that most of the times, but incentives absolutely shape behavior. It's the thing that I mentioned about the product organization. In terms of the sales organization, we talk a lot about how we sell is why we win and really having a great customer experience being part of how we sell. That's number one. Specifically in terms of metrics and incentives, we've done a couple of things. One we have made it important for directors within the sales organization to care about revenue retention. And the way we define revenue retention is the value of the install base minus the churn, minus the down downsells, plus all of the upgrades and upsell. So what that means is, is your customer staying with you? And are they continuing to get value that they continue to spend with you? That's what that revenue retention goal actually means. And we've moved the whole customer success organization to this revenue retention goal. And we've also made it as part of the MBO for a lot of the senior sales team, leadership team within within HubSpot. So those two really align the motives, the incentives of acquiring the right kinds of customers. The other thing that we have done, you know, super tactical from a comp perspective is that We will claw back if the customer churns within a certain period of time, which really emphasizes the acquisition of the right fit of customers within the organization. So you don't want to just grow for the sake of growing, but you really want to bring the right kinds of customers that you know you can make successful within the organization. So we have a tactical clawback there as well. But again, this takes us to the broader point of incentives-aligned behavior. And the behavior that we want from the sales organization is to care deeply about customer success.
1: I'm curious, like how the concept of a flywheel evolves as the company grows up. So I imagine, you know, like a small startup, it's easier to rally around like this single focus and, you know, you have few people on each team and, and, and you can really make it work. But for a Fortune 100 type of company that may have had the prior view of a funnel now, getting them to evolve or or that small company grew into this company now, how does that flywheel concept different at these different stages?
2: That's where most companies start, right? When you are a startup and you have like 20 people and 10 of them are in go-to-market, you're all sitting in a room or virtual room, uh, however it is, and you can make decisions. company our size, we are about a 5,000-person organization we can bring these teams together into one flywheel organization with a common vision and the ability to execute customer-oriented priorities. I think as you continue to grow, you may decide that they all belong in one organization, or like I said before, you could have a decision-making group and a decision-making cadence that is centered and focused around the customer. So what I mean by that is you don't need to have Marketing, sales, customer success, all report to one leader within the organization. As long as you realize these are the departments and functions that have impact on the customer experience and they get together on a bi-weekly cadence, at least if not, you know, monthly cadence. And you have a decision-making framework. How do you make decisions? If there is a priority A in one function and a priority B in another function, How do you make a decision? And that is the most important question that a Fortune 100 company needs to ask. And if that decision is really governed by what is the impact to the end customer experience, and if there's someone that's always there taking the seat of the customer within the decision-making group and you align that type of a framework, then I think you can continue to scale. So you're absolutely right. Different sized organizations have... Different ways that they can get there, but the primary focus should be customer in strategy rather than a function out strategy.
1: As you kind of like look around the world and at different companies, like what companies do you think are like really living and breathing this flywheel concept? Like are there folks that really inspire you?
2: I would say B2C companies have gotten this down way more than B2B companies you see this in your day-to-day, right? In, in the last 18 months of the pandemic, we've all lived our lives, but uh, things have changed dramatically. I I shop at Chewy. I, I adopted two cats during the pandemic. And Chewy is like an incredibly amazing, you know, customer-oriented organization. They sent me a bunch of uh, cat food. My cats hated it. I called them. They're like, well, donate it to someone else. We'll send you something new. I was like, what? That is incredible. And That does a couple of things. One, now I've become a loyal, you know, customer of Chewy. Two, I donated the cat food to one of my other friends. And that was like word of mouth. I was talking about it. And three, I'm talking to you about it, right? So they have gotten a flywheel of customer advocacy and loyalty going just because of how they treat the customers. And so there are like so many of these examples, Warby Parker, Amazon, DoorDash, like all of these uh, B2C organizations, they get this and they nail this right. It's a lot about that buyer experience that they care about. And it's changed pretty dramatically. I think B2B uh, is trailing. It's uh, trailing in terms of buyers' uh, experience you know, in how they interact with the customer, with the company. And it's much more about buyer empowerment not seller engagement. So a lot of the tools and a lot of the ways in which we interact as a B2B organization tends to be, I'm a seller, how do I interact with my customer? It has to be just the other way around. It is about you are a buyer interacting with me as a B2B company. How can I give you the most relevant information if you're just looking for data? How can you give you the best experience if you are looking to talk to a rep you know, how can I give you the best experience if you require support and needs to be on that journey? And so I think B2C companies have nailed it and B2B companies need to catch up.
0: It's interesting how a support question, if you think about it, that's what, you know, the, my cat doesn't like the cat food, by the way, we do the same thing, but for our dog, very picky. We went through two or three, same thing. They're like, we'll just send you till, till Cuddy likes something. We'll just send it. And we're like, wow, how amazing is that? And uh, I pointed my glasses because I have the Warby Parker glasses and same thing, you go in there and I was putting it off because personally trying on glasses and like what does this look good? Like it's not a very great experience typically. And I go to buy and they're like, when they arrive, if they don't fit, come in. We'll like they'll do some technology to like fit them to my face. Like we promise that they will fit. It's like when you when you sell someone on that promise of your cat having great food, your glasses fitting. They don't let anything get in the way of that from like that moment occurring, even if there is some like friction or some hurdles in the meantime. So, if, you know, it's funny. We all know it immediately. We all have examples from B2C and then you think B2B, B, well, this gets a lot smaller, right? There's a much smaller list of companies you've interacted with where you're like, yeah, they really did right by me or, or that, you know, they went above and beyond.
2: Exactly. I think that's where we are obsessed. We care deeply about our customers and delivering a delightful experience to our customers, but we also want to enable our customers to be able to have that type of experiences and deliver those types of experiences to their end
0: customers. One of the good things I'll say, I don't know if it was part of the flywheel or fits into it now, but you see HubSpot certifications everywhere and people are proud about those things, right? They put them on their LinkedIn profile. People love that, right? Because like, I feel like I got something. I get to show Sheena what I did. I put it on LinkedIn that hundreds or thousands of people see it. And it all starts with providing genuine value to people and letting them go talk about it seems so simple but we don't do it as often as we probably should
2: i love it it's the content right content matters and providing value to people and educating them and inspiring them matters and that's part of what we you know care deeply about so i'm especially delighted that you brought that up
1: (laughs) so yamini we ask all of our guests uh, one question to wrap up our conversation which is how would you describe sales in one word
2: providing value
1: take it. We'll hyphenate that thing.
2: Yes. Yeah. It's not, it's not <laughs> one, but providing value. It, it is all about providing value.
0: The way we ended the conversation, I was in my head, I, I admit, I guess what people are going to say, I'm usually wrong, but I was like, if Yamini says value, I think that would be a good stamp on this conversation. So Yamini, thank you so much. We always appreciate your time, your wisdom and expertise, and I genuinely enjoyed it. I was taking notes. So I'm sure our listeners were too.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Every week, we bring you a micro action, something to think about, or an action you can put into play today. Now, regardless of where your organization stands on retention versus acquisition, one thing is true. Understanding your customers better will help with your sales conversations. So if you only take away one action this week inspired by our conversation, do this. Find when and why customers churn. And if you're feeling really inspired to uncover these insights, look at the opposite. When and why do contracts increase in value? One direct path to uncover this data is asking your customer success teams what they're seeing. Your customer facing team often has what you need to showcase the value you're offering by sharing stories and highlights of how you've served similar customers. This is a simple way to tap into the reality of your customer experience. You'll not only have better conversations, but you'll also grow your current customers. Did you like today's episode? Subscribe now so next week's episode will be waiting for you on Monday.
1: And if you really like the podcast, please leave a review. Five-star reviews go a long way to help get the word out there.
0: And if you're not ready to give a five, check out another episode and see if we've won you over by then.